Forget dropping a ball in New York City. Here in Sacramento, we're lighting a beam for New Year's Eve. The Kings go to Memphis and dominate the Grizzlies 123-92 to to end one of the best years for the Sacramento Kings in quite a long time. On today's show, we'll break down DeMontis Sabonis' massive triple-double, the Kings' impressive victory, and Mike Brown's starting lineup change. It's all right here for you on Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And before we proceed with this show, I have to start off by saying thank you to you Sacramento Kings fans and podcast listeners for making 2023 such an amazing year. Of course, thank you to the Sacramento Kings players, the coaching staff, the front office, heck, even the media relations team, the the uh, arena staff at the Golden One Center, all of you who did such an amazing job making this a fantastic year, a year that we will always remember here in Sacramento, the year that the, 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 the Kings finally turned things around, right? And as great as 2023 was, we're hoping for an even better 2024 for Kings purposes and for our own personal reasons. So thank you, thank you very much. And it's fitting that the Kings ended this year this way, right? This year has been so amazing from the Kings breaking the playoff drought, the taking the Golden State Warriors to, to seven games in the playoffs, just the energy inside the Golden One Center for game one, the first ever playoff game uh, in that arena. Uh, the Just the amazing moments like uh, De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis making it to the All-Star game in, in Utah. I mean, it's just been such an awesome year. So for the Kings to end this year with a bang, to end this year with one of the best performances so far this season, wire to wire, in terms of first, qu- uh, first quarter through fourth quarter, it's fitting, right? This is kind of like justice, right? Justice from the basketball gods. This is how the Sacramento Kings deserve to end this year. And so let's dive into this performance for the Sacramento Kings. There's no place that we can start other than with DeMontis freaking Sabonis, who decided to send a message to end 2023. Hey, I saw what was written about me this year. I saw the reactions after the uh, playoff series. I saw the articles during the offseason saying you can't can't win with DeMontis Sabonis or you're not going to win a championship with Sabonis or Sabonis is the most overrated player in the NBA according to Bleacher Report. He sends a message that, no, he's a legit star here in 2023 and 2024, he's just getting started, right? So DeMontis Sabonis only took 23 minutes tonight to record his sixth triple-double of the season. And I, I haven't confirmed this. I think they said it on the broadcast. I think I heard Mark Jones say it on the broadcast. I believe five of those triple-doubles have come here in the month of December, which is just incredible. He has been on a tear as of late. 13 points, 21 rebounds, 12 assists, and one steal. To put that into perspective, Sabonis had 21 rebounds. The Grizzlies only had 34 rebounds as a team. And that number was actually a lot closer until Sabonis sat on the bench for most of the fourth quarter because why would he keep playing in that Kings blowout win? The Kings handled business well before the fourth quarter and the, uh, the the end of the Grizzlies bench collected a few rebounds there to pad that stat and make that gap 
a little bit wider, but really, Demonis Sabonis was out-rebounding the entire Memphis Grizzlies team, or at least felt like that. And by the way, he's not doing this against some scrub. He's not doing this against a average ho-hum center or, or, or defender. He's doing this against Jaron Jackson Jr., the reigning defensive player of the year. And look, Sabonis dominated Triple J, right? He did. He had Triple J fuming frustrated, including getting a, a technical foul at one point in this game. So again, write DeMontis Sabonis off if you want to. The, the darlings of the league that he keeps going up against and putting up big numbers against, I guess it doesn't matter uh, to, to so many people, but we can leave those sour grapes in 2023. Let's move on to bigger and better things in 2024, including more triple doubles on the horizon for DeMontis Sabonis. He was fantastic. But let's talk about the starting lineup change, right? The, the, the news, we discussed a lot about this uh, during the Atlanta Hawks game, even with the Kings coming back from, uh, from down like 20 or whatever they were in that game to, to winning that game on Friday night. I talked a lot about it here on the Locked on Kings podcast that maybe a, a starting lineup change was necessary. I guess Mike Brown felt the same thing, and he made the move that we discussed was probably going to be the least popular, but a potential likely move, which was Kevin Herter out of the starting lineup and Chris Duarte in to that spot. Now let's talk about both of their performances. We'll start with Chris Duarte. Seven points and six rebounds for Duarte tonight. I love the energy that Duarte plays with, right? Early on this season, that energy has led to foul trouble more often than not. He did well playing uh, against the Hawks, coming in off the bench and helping the Kings complete that comeback. Played really well in that game without fouling. Once again tonight, played well defensively. Uh, without fouling the seven points we'll take it the six rebounds excellent from your starting shooting guard position you'll absolutely take that Kevin Herter had been doing a better job at times so far this season rebounding the basketball but to see uh, Duarte as active as he was he still has to be enough of an outside shooting threat to space the floor for the Kings offense uh, to, to, to flow and be at their peak in terms of efficiency but it didn't look like there was any kind of offensive drop-off at all with Chris Duarte in the starting lineup uh, for Kevin Herter. Everybody seemed really, really engaged tonight, really dialed in. Now, I'm not going to say that that is, a, that is a, uh, a result of the Kings moving Kevin Herter out of the starting lineup. It suggests that everybody's energy and the way that everybody else played was based off of Kevin Herter starting or coming off the bench is just not true, right? Chris Duarte not only played with a lot of energy and a lot of hustle and a lot of intensity, the Sacramento Kings as a team did so. So this was a really, really, really good team win for the Kings. I want to make sure with, without taking anything away from Chris, we recognize this game for what it is. The Kings won 123-92. to They dominated this game, blew out the Memphis Grizzlies on the road in the first game that Duarte started for Kevin Herter. That doesn't mean that had Kevin Herter started, the Kings would not have blown out the Grizzlies this way. But this lineup appeared to work, right? And, and a lot of it had to do with the energy that Duarte plays with. But my question is, and what I think is really important, is can he sustain it, right? Because this is what we expect. I said before the game, when as soon as we found out that Duarte was going to start, okay, Chris has to come in. He has to be impactful on the offensive end and space the floor to not take away from the Kings' offense. He has, to be, he has to be better defensively than Kevin Herter is. Like, that's his bread and butter, and that's why he's getting this opportunity in the first place. And he has to continue to be kind of that energizer bunny that he has provided for the Kings when he has played with that second unit. So it's easy for a guy who's getting their opportunity and, and getting that chance to start 
to get fired up for the game and be willing to give his all that first night or even that second or third night. But let's say Duarte starts for the next 10 games. Game 7, Game 8, Game 9, when he's kind of settled into that position a little bit more and there's a boatload of this season still to go plus playoffs. Is he still giving that 110%? Is he still providing that energy that he provided for the Kings tonight? Or does that drop off a little bit? I think it's it's natural to expect it to kind of drop off because the energy that Duarte played with trying to do that 82 games a year is, I mean, it's it's taxing on your body, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to make you tired. So, but I'm not, I, I'm okay with like a little bit of drop off here and there. But if Duarte isn't, con- doesn't continue to be that energy guy, especially on defense in that starting shooting guard spot, then I don't know if he's going to hold on to this position. So that energy was great tonight. It was key tonight, but can he sustain it? Of course, that energy helps make an impact on the defensive end. He did a great job at times guarding Desmond Bain, did a great job at times guarding John Morant. The Kings defense, period, did a really, really good job tonight. Look, you held the Grizzlies to 92 points. Anytime the Kings can hold a team under 100 points, it's worth celebrating. And check this out. We talked a lot about the second half that the Kings had in Atlanta on Friday to help them secure that comeback victory, right? They went from giving up, I think, 72 or something like that, 71, 72 points in the first half in that game in Atlanta to just 39 points in the second half. 39 points is incredibly impressive for any team, not just the Sacramento Kings, to hold a team to that low of a number in a half of basketball in the NBA, right? The Kings tonight held the Memphis Grizzlies to just 34 points in the second half. The Kings came out of the, the halftime break with great energy. I think they ripped off like an 8-1 to one run. The, the Grizzlies went ice cold from the field. They were getting a lot of foul calls and getting to the line, which kind of kept this game close. But Sacramento stepped on the gas from the start of the second half, dominated the second half, and this game was pretty much over uh, by the time the fourth quarter started. Of course, uh, Chris Duarte made a big impact in that. Also, shout out Davion Mitchell, too. This is the second straight game where he's got an opportunity. He now seems to have, at least over the last couple of games, taken that backup point guard, two guard, hybrid spot back from Keon Ellis, and he's coming in, and he's being that off-night defensive Davion Mitchell that we know that he can be. And a lot of people were noticing him getting time next to De'Aaron Fox. And that lineup was working. So maybe Davion is making the most of his opportunity and will start to become a a steady piece of the Kings rotation again. But Davion, Duarte, even Alex Len to some extent, the Kings getting nice defensive impacts from some role-playing energy guys, which of course was a big, big reason for why They held the Grizzlies to just 92 points. Let's talk about Kevin Herter, though. Nine points tonight for Kevin Herter. Four of nine shooting from the field. It's not a great game. He didn't didn't grab any rebounds. I think he maybe dished a couple. Honestly, I didn't write it down, so maybe he didn't do anything other than score. But I, I don't know what I was necessarily looking for from Kevin Herter in this game, but here's what I know about Kevin from the the limited time that I've covered him over the last season and a half. Kevin while he's probably frustrated or disappointed that he's lost his starting spot, at least for a game, he's lost his starting spot. And I think this is going to continue at least into this homestand that the Kings have coming up. Kevin is not going to pout. He's not going to throw a fit. He's not going to let it affect the way that he plays. I thought, like, it's easy to understand why Chris Duarte is going to come in and play with a lot of energy. He's getting his start, right? He's getting his opportunity as a starter. Maybe I can hold on to this spot. 
The guy who got demoted also came in and I thought played with a lot of great energy. He had some good defensive possessions at times against John Moran. Now, he did get into a little bit of foul trouble, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, but he was given good hustle, given good energy, playing with the physicality, making sure the Grizzlies felt him. And what I mean by that is like fighting over screens, bumping guys if they're trying to attack the basket, making sure you put your chest into them and not be knocked backwards. Like these are things that Mike Brown has talked about and preached about a lot this year. And that's what he's asking of his guards on the perimeter. So Kevin was stepping up and was doing that job despite the fact that he had just gotten promoted. Plus, I know he only scored nine points tonight. I think he only hit like one or two three-pointers. But if it's short-term or long-term or whatever it is, Herter has a really interesting opportunity here in Sacramento to be kind of a flame-throwing three-point offensive punch threat off of the bench, especially next to Malik Monk. So we'll kind of see how this plays out. We saw a lot of Kevin Herter kind of playing that backup three spot with Monk and Davion Mitchell uh, in a combination at one and two. Speaking of Malik Monk, we have to talk about the great night that he had in Memphis. We have to talk about De'Aaron Fox and his in continued incredible shooting. And coming up later in the show, we do have to talk about a trade that had nothing to do with the Sacramento Kings, but a guy that the Kings have had their eye on, OG Ananobi, is now a New York Nick. We'll discuss that all here on the New Year's Eve edition of the Locked on Kings podcast. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up. Can you believe playoffs are right around the corner? And hey, congratulations to the San Francisco 49ers for clinching the number one seed in the NFC. Hey, coming into this season, that is something you could have bet on on FanDuel. And there's still time to get in on the action with a FanDuel America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Place the bet. There's money that you're getting to play more. You can bet on uh, live same game, same game parlays. You can find bets in their new explore tab, all sorts of different fun bets. So you don't have to specifically kind of dig for these things. They'll just provide them for you based off of kind of your playing style. You can make a parlay in the parlay hub, the best way to find popular parlays that are out there and so many more ways to play. Plus, of course, a ton of fun ways for you to bet on the Sacramento Kings. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup right now on FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. How great was Malik Monk tonight, right? If you are on Sacramento Kings Twitter or you listen to Mark Jones on the broadcast, you would have seen and heard a million times that Malik means king in Arabic. Well, it's fun to be able to say that. And typically when we're hearing that line or reading that line on social media, it means Malik is cooking, doing his thing tonight. Season high, 27 points, super efficient, 10 of 13 shooting from the field, four of five from three point range, five rebounds, five assists. And here's my favorite number for Malik Monk that I, I, I almost guarantee you nobody but me is going to be talking about until now, hopefully. Bring this up. When you're talking about this Kings game tonight at your New Year's Eve party, which maybe you're listening to this on the way to the party. If so, thank you. <laughs> or maybe you're listening to this the next morning on New Year's Day and you want to have a Kings conversation. Bring this up. Malik Monk, zero turnovers tonight. On Friday night, Malik was a very impactful piece off the Kings bench. One of the re big reasons why the Kings were even in that game in Atlanta in the first half. But Malik did a terrible job taking care of the basketball. He turned the ball over six times. 
in Atlanta on Friday. You talk about making a correction. Malik was still just as impactful. He made his amazing high-energy plays, throwing down an alley-oop lob from Davion Mitchell, finishing an and-one with a layup that somehow he got through two defenders off the glass and in from a ridiculous angle. Like, Malik was still that kind of chaotic, flashy energy that we love. But this time, he took care of the basketball. A six turnover to zero turnover improvement, that to me is almost as impressive or more impressive even than Malik dropping 27 points tonight for the Sacramento Kings off the bench. He also did it apparently with like 30 or 40 family and friends uh, in, in, in Memphis. He got a lot of tickets for tonight's game and they all uh, are his good luck charm, I guess. Hey, get him to get some season tickets here in Sacramento. If he's going to play like that every time he's playing in front of friends and family, hell, Fly them all, move them all to Sacramento for the rest of the year. Have them sit right in front of me uh, so I can see that magic in action. By the way, shout out to Frankie Cardicelli from Sacktown Sports 1140 for pointing this out and tweeting this out during the game. Malik now has five games this season off the bench with 20 or more points and five or more assists. That's number one in the league. Nobody else is doing that. The closest is Karis LeVert. Bogdan Bogdanovich and Austin Reeves with four of those games off the bench. So Malik has one more than those guys do. And I guarantee you, and most if not all, hell, check FanDuel right now. I almost guarantee you that at least two, probably all three of those guys are higher on the six-man-of-the-year odds than Malik Monk is. Yeah, tell me the, the Kings jersey that you're wearing doesn't have an effect on that. But hey, we know, we appreciate Malik Monk. And I'll say it for the last time here in 2023, but you best believe I'm going to say it a ton more in 2024. Pay Malik his money. Let's talk about De'Aaron Fox tonight. 24 points, 3 of 8 from 3-point range, 4 assists, 3 rebounds. Okay, it certainly wasn't the 8 3-point career high performance that De'Aaron had in Atlanta. But I think De'Aaron's first bucket of the game that came right at the very beginning of the game was a... Deep, deep, deep three. He picked up right where he left off in Atlanta, just raining that three down. Now, he still shot over 40% from three-point range, which is what he's been doing this season on a significantly higher volume. He went from like one and a half made threes a game to three and a half. He's shooting eight, almost nine if you round up, three-point attempts per game. De'Aaron's explosion as a three-point shooter this season is sensational. And for some reason, nobody is talking about it. Why? De'Aaron not only becoming a 30-point-per-game scorer and scoring with the best MVP candidates in the league right now, putting up equal offensive numbers to those guys, and he's been doing it all season long. This isn't just a recent trend after a hot couple of weeks. Like, Fox has been scoring around 30 points per game this entire season to this point. He's not getting talked about for that. But one of the key reasons for why he's scoring that much is because he's raining down three-pointers at a historic clip for him. This, this improvement, him going from a college prospect coming into the NBA, even with a top-five pick, he could not shoot the ball at all. It was below 30%. He's been in the low to barely 30% for basically his entire career from three-point range. And all of a sudden, he's taking more threes than ever, and he's hitting five or six percent better than he ever has in his career from three-point range. That is absurd. A one-year turnaround like that is absurd, and nobody's talking about it. Why? I don't understand it. doesn't make sense. These are things that Steph Curry does. Fox is putting up numbers that Steph Curry puts up. In fact, I think Kevin Fippen 
pointed out a stat or, or tweeted out a stat about De'Aaron doing something that only Steph Curry and Michael Jordan have done twice, which is average 30 points a game while shooting 40-plus percent from three-point range. Someone's got to start talking about this, man. If they're not going to do it, hell, I'll continue to do it here on the Locked On Kings podcast. On top of that, uh, yeah, De'Aaron completely outplayed John Morant, the guy that he's been compared to a million times. Guilty, I've done that too. And called worse than a million times. Uh, sometimes I've done that. I'll, I'll, I'll own it. But yeah, he completely outplayed John Morant tonight. No surprise there. Uh, this might be silly. And tell me if this is just podcast talk. Does De'Aaron Fox kind of have a case for most improved player? We've talked about Fox has risen himself to one of the best scorers in the league on a really, really, really good basketball team. And his offensive explosion that we just talked about for the last two, three minutes. I think it's criteria for most improved player. I'm not saying he's going to win it. There are probably other better candidates out there. I couldn't tell you who at the top of the, uh, 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 right now because I don't really care. Like most improved player is an award that we cared a lot about here in Sacramento during the playoff drought. As of now, like the Kings have kind of graduated past that. But does De'Aaron potentially have a case? I don't know. You tell me. I'm at George Sack on Twitter. Email me, Matt, at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. As of right now, I think he has a case. He wouldn't get my vote, probably. Maybe he would. I'm a little biased. But I think, I, I think there might be a case for De'Aaron Fox to win most improved player. This episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And the best thing is just you versus the Prize Picks projected numbers. You're not taking on uh, other opponents. You're not taking on other human beings, including those uh, those sharks and, 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 and pros in Vegas and around the world that just make a living off of something that's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a hobby for you. It's just you versus those prize picks projections. The way it works, you pick two to six players, and if they're going to score more or less than their prize picks projected point total or dish out more combined points and assists or, or a combination of points, rebounds, and assists like Demata Sabonis did tonight, or if if Jaron Jackson Jr. was going to have a dunk or not tonight. There's so many different ways, creative and fun ways, for you to play prize picks for every single Kings game, every different NBA game. You can do combinations of NBA and NFL games. It's a great way uh, to, to handle your NFL Sundays as well and Thursdays and Monday nights. Prize picks is just so much fun. There's so many different ways for you to play. Plus, they have a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for, like, football and basketball games if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second that player is rebooted price picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with a true insurance policy they're not trying to take your money off of a technicality right they want you to play and play fairly it's really simple to play you can make your picks and make your entries in 60 seconds or less and there's so many fun ways to play you can get lost just perusing on that app although make sure you don't do what i did today before the niners game Make sure you don't peruse for too long and you actually make your selections or you'll run out of time. The game will start and you're out of luck. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made easy. Despite this Sacramento Kings win, some of you might be a little disappointed here to end 2023 because an OG Ananobi trade finally happened. Hooray! The Toronto Raptors decided to finally move OG. 
but it wasn't to the Sacramento Kings. We know the Kings have been very interested in OG. Newsflash, so have a lot of other teams, including the New York Knicks, who actually went out and got him. Now, this isn't the full package, but this is essentially what the Knicks gave up for OG Ananobi. They gave up RJ Barrett. They gave up Emmanuel Quickly, who is a really, really good six man, and a second round pick. It's not as big of a haul as maybe the Raptors wanted or were asking for or were putting out there that they needed for OG, which was absurd to begin with. But I think this this articulates my point for me. It, it makes it perfectly clear what I've been talking about, right? The, the Kings were only willing to move on from certain pieces. And there were going to be other teams like the New York Knicks that were going to be able to beat the packages and the pieces that the Kings were going to throw out there, i.e. Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell, maybe some, some draft picks. Like Sacramento was never going to make Keegan Murray available in a trade like this, which I guarantee you is what the Raptors asked for. In fact, I know they asked for, and they probably continued to ask for, and that's where every conversation ended. So the, 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 the Knicks were willing to move on from a good young player in R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, who I know there were thoughts or conversations about if he was even going to remain in New York anyway. Now, OG is also on an expiring contract, so it could just be a rental for New York. So we'll see how that plays out and if he wants to re-sign there. But that's their problem, not the Kings' problem. It's a bummer. That might have been your favorite target for the Kings to try and go and get. And, and yes, OG would have been an excellent piece for Sacramento, I believe. Would have absolutely come in and helped address the Kings' defensive issues and their length and physicality at that wing position that's given them so much trouble, right? OG would have helped with that. But you got to give up something to get something. And the Kings weren't willing to give up what I think would have ultimately it would have ultimately taken in order to bring OG to Sacramento. So the Kings move on. Coming up next, they have a four-game homestand to start 2024. They have the Charlotte Hornets, Orlando Magic, Toronto Raptors, and New Orleans Pelicans at home. Now, I could look through that and go, yeah, the Kings should absolutely win two of those. They should probably win three out of four. Maybe I could do that. Maybe I can't. The Kings lost to the Orlando Magic last year at home, and that was before the Magic were playing as well as they've been playing this year. That's not going to be an easy game. The Charlotte Hornets also beat the Kings in Sacramento last year. That's not going to be an easy game either. It's not. So the Kings have to take care of their business on their home floor, and this homestand is important because after this homestand, the Kings are on the road a lot, a five-game road trip, followed by two games at home, and then a seven-game, their longest of the year, seven-game road trip after that. We're talking 12 of the next 14 games after this homestand are on the road. So the Kings need to take care of business to start 2024, and I think they will. If you're going to the Golden One Center for any one of these games, make sure you let me know. Come by and say hi. I'm at the top of section uh, 104, 105. Uh, typically I'm there. Uh, that's where the media sits. Come by, say hi. would love to see you chat with you during any of those games. Um, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll enjoy some Kings wins and some more beams being lit during this homestand. But after every single game, as usual in 2024, the road trip, home games does not matter. I will have these post-game podcasts for you. I'll have more Locked on Kings content throughout 2024. It's been an unbelievable year. We hit like 1.6, almost 1.7 million downloads, views, and listens this year for this podcast, which is unbelievable, astronomical, uh, the, the best year that we've had so far. And I, I keep being able to say that at the end of every year, and I don't take that for granted. Thank you so, so, so much. 
for an amazing 2023. And I hope I can continue to deliver the King's content, conversations, entertainment, whatever it is that you deserve and that you're looking for in 2024. That is always my first and foremost goal. So thank you so much again. Happy New Year. Enjoy your night. Stay safe. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk to you in 2024. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.